Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we need to talk about just what has gone down at Big 12 Media Days, what I learned from Big 12 Media Days, and what name, image, and likeness looks like a year later, who's benefiting, who's not, and what's it doing to the sport, the moving and shaking on that end. But first, we got to do the annual. Horns down segment. You know, we do this every single year, mostly because of Mac Brown. So for those of you that do not know or probably don't care in that way, Mac Brown once got on live television and told somebody that he thought that horns down was disrespectful. Now, all he did was become certain that every Oklahoma fan and Oklahoma State fan and West Virginia fan and anybody else that ever gets to play Texas throws the horns down. The Big 12 exacerbated this when it decided to penalize it for unsportsmanlike conduct, right? So this year, the Big 12 head officiating, Greg Burks, very nice man, got to spend some time with him, decided to try to address that question. And he came at it in part with this quote. Please, state of Oklahoma, I meant no offense. You don't have to send me emails. We are just looking at that as any other act. And you note that unsportsmanlike conduct is in there. It is not about horns up or horns down. It's the manner that you do things on the field to an opponent that are unsportsmanlike in manner, which is as clear as mud, quite honestly, right? Also, respect to the Oklahoma fans who sought out the Big 12 head of officiating to tell them what they think of Oklahoma players in particular getting penalties for this horns down symbol. Now, I find it kind of funny because the horns up hook them can be if you want it to be an unsportsmanlike gesture because I mean, we're talking about hooking, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's the thing. What are we hooking? We're hooking with longhorns. We are engaging in violent activity, kind of like the throat slash if you want to stretch it that far. But that's kind of the thing, right? That's a sports talk show segment is how far do you stretch that? It's not really something I expect the head official for the Big 12 to address. And yet, here we are once again, and I think we're only going to see more of this because there's really only two more seasons of Texas playing in the Big 12, and everybody wants a piece of Texas. That's kind of the way you do business in that state. It's the flagship university at a state that's very proud of its football, and they're coming off of what was one of the worst seasons that they've had here in the last 10 years, quite honestly, tying their worst record, but also 
found this to be interesting as I was writing this big piece about Keith Sarkeesian going into year two. It is the worst year one for any first-year head coach at Texas since Dana Bible in 1937 when he started the season 2-6-1. and one. What I'm saying is if Texas wants to get some Texas against the world shirts like Ohio against the world or Oklahoma against the world, whomever you want to say is against the world, they'd be well within their rights to do that because everybody just wants a piece of them. I also think that it's interesting that Steve Sarkeesian is not necessarily rallying around everybody's against us, but that he is rallying around this idea of team chemistry. One of the things that I thought was illuminating that you can watch in our day two episode of Big 12 is Sarkeesian going out of his way to say, we made an emphasis as a team, as coaching staff, to really try to fundamentally get to know our players and demonstrate our vulnerability. I asked him to unpack that, and I got some really interesting stuff. But what I came out was with was not vulnerability. It was humanities. So some of you understand that before I was blessed to do this job, I was going to school at Oklahoma State, earning a PhD in English, hoping to be an English professor with an emphasis on humanities, which is the study of culture, society, and people, right? Uh, I am renowned for just popping up with Shakespeare. Like I do the mic checks and I do a Shakespearean monologue from time to time. It's a thing. It's an inside joke. But that's where I live. So to hear Steve Sarkeesian say we are trying to employ these tactics and these tools that allow for the players to not just see as their head coach, but as a person just like them is interesting to me. Because if Steve Sarkeesian succeeds in demonstrating to his players that I'm a person, I'm not a head coach that sits in a tower somewhere with a megaphone yelling instruction at you, that I get frustrated, that I get sad, that I have things off the field that bother me, perhaps then they will be able to bring their off-the-field problems to him or even just talk about life with him. And I got to tell you, man, that is the sauce. You know, I, I, I say a lot, and I will continue to say, I'm not the only person that does this show. And if you don't have a vested interest in the people that help you create the thing that is cool, you're probably going to suck. And I think Sark was really right to try to do this this season because it didn't go well last year. They were so streaky, both offensively and defensively. They would blank Rice, right, and then give up 57 to Kansas. Or they drop 70 on Texas Tech and then lose uh, an overtime thriller to Oklahoma where they give up 50. Finding some equilibrium there probably helps you mitigate those lows, right? Perhaps those highs are still there and that's what you want. But I'm always encouraged when I hear a head coach tell me, no, no, I've, I've tried to really lean into my humanity and be less of the head coach at the University of Texas than more like their coach. Because if I can trust you, I can see you, you can see me. And then you get to go with my favorite axiom about any team sport, which is players win, coaches lose. And that's how it has to be. The kids have to be the people that benefit from this. They have to feel as if they have done something. And winning is a byproduct of doing things and exercising in a way that you are proud. Because if you play the kind of football that you're proud to play, you're probably going to win a bunch of football games. If you don't, you're probably going to lose a bunch of football games. Physically, I thought it was interesting that Steve Sarkeesian pushed that we need to be thick in the middle and we need to be quick on the outside. Uh, T-H-I-C-C, in case you guys want to actually go there. But it's all about their offensive line, their defensive line. If they're pretty good on both sides of the line of scrimmage, they're going to be pretty good. But that's always been a problem for Texas. Like, they're going to lean a bunch on guys like Keandre Coburn this year, right? They're going to lean a bunch on six-year senior DeMarvion Overshone 
to lead that defense because they were they were embarrassed last year. It was Pete Kwiatkowski's first year. He's coming from Washington where he and Jimmy Lake helped build a, a defense so renowned that nobody even checks the state of Washington when they heard the Huskies refer to themselves as death row. Now, I'm going to check them because you're from Seattle. We're plaid. Okay? Pull these Nirvana records. Don't come out here talking about death row. And then they're like, hey, but RJ, we really were. Like, you see Vito Vea out there? Yeah, he death row. Byron Murphy out there? Yeah, he death row. Taylor Rapp out there? Yeah, he death row. You can keep going. Trent McDuffie? Yeah, he death row. You can do that. That's what Pete Kukowski was brought to Texas to do. But I think he's also in a great spot now because Steve Sarkeesian also put another magic trick in that Gary Patterson is on the staff. Special assistant to the head coach is his title. Now, the reason I think that that is a magic trick is there's still a statue of Gary Patterson at TCU, at Texas Christian, okay? He went down south to the place that he used to really love to beat up in the University of Texas to both be a sounding board for the head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. Perhaps he has a blind spot that Gary Patterson can help him fill in because, as he said, head coaches see the game differently. and Pete Kukowski gets the benefit of Gary Patterson's knowledge. He basically invented the 4-2-5 defense that many people use today. Jim Knowles at Ohio State is going to use it. He used it at Oklahoma State to put them in a position to beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. It's a really great defense, and I really love the way that it's employed at Texas Christian. If they get some of that at Texas with the kind of athletes you can recruit there, they could be great. And Gary Patterson has become really good at identifying talent that frankly, is overlooked. Like LJ Collier was a skinny dude from West Texas that he turned into a first-round pick at defensive end by basically by putting him on a meal plan and saying, no, son, you don't play running back anymore. You play defensive end. Did that with guys like Ty Summers. Did that with guys like Jason Barrett, right? We can keep going. Uh, Tredavious Hodgson Tomlinson, right? That's another guy that was a Gary Patterson find. Also cousin to, I believe, LaDamian Tomlinson, who is Texas Christian legend, the best Texas Christian player of all time. Sammy Ball fans, fight me. I think all of that is going to work in Texas's favor. Now, I'm also the guy that's already out here going, I think Texas is going to be good. If you will, that Texas is back. But I will admit, there's still those questions on the offensive line. And Steve Sarkeesian made the point, 57 of our 85 scholarship players are underclassmen. We're going to ask a lot of young guys to really lead us forward. But you got B. John Robinson back there. Quinn Ewers is probably going to be the starter. Maybe it's Hudson Card, but you're probably going to need both. You're going to be outstanding at wide receiver. If you can keep a lid on the defense with Gary Patterson helping Pete Kukowski go out, what it's supposed to look like, you're going to be pretty doggone good. Another thing I really enjoyed at Big 12 Media Days, this was also part of our day one episode, is Venables and just how he decided to bring himself, I should say, to Big 12 Media Days. Now, I think it's the third perfect hire in a row for the University of Oklahoma over the past 20 years, starting back in 1998 with Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops tapped Lincoln Riley. For the time that Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma as both the OC and the head coach, fundamentally great football. And now with Brent Venables, you found a third guy who was the right man at the right time for this fan base. He's exactly the kind of person that you want to leave the University of Oklahoma if you're an Oklahoma fan. He is heavy in his faith. He is extremely loyal. He's extremely detail-oriented. And he's not like the kind of guy that wants to move around. Now, I've been telling jokes and or, you know, getting in that 
I asked Brent Venables one question and he answered the hell out of it. He really did. He spoke for 11 minutes straight. But then you go to the days where he's talk, taking questions from the big room at AT&T Stadium and he got three questions, 25 minutes. Uh, one of those questions he took longer to answer than the Sermon on the Mount lasted. Okay. I also got the impression that he's not just intense. Like his, his intensity is legendary. We all know about his get back coach at Clemson and how loud he can be and how he can really get into it with his players. But his players love him. And they love him because in Ethan Downs' words, he treats us like we're so precious to him. And he is going to put his values on display. His, one of his favorite terms is rehearsing his beliefs, right? You have to actually go through the motions every single day and that it's difficult and it's hard. And that's what Oklahoma football is. Like this is a state that's only got 4 million people that continues to produce championship football because we have to have it. I said it before, I will say it again. The University of Oklahoma football team is an Oklahoman's birthright. It's what we got, right? The state of Oklahoma was founded 1907 as a state. Didn't have a whole hell of a lot to be proud of at the time, right? This, this land that did not belong to Oklahomans was also supposedly a wasteland. And then the Dust Bowl comes through. And we got a president at a university who's going, man, I can't run into anybody that feels good about being here. I've seen what football can do back east. Maybe if we put together a pretty doggone good football team, people will have some pride there. And he was right, right? Bud Wilkinson was charismatic. There's some parallels between him and Brent Venables. There's also this parallel of, no, these, this is home for me. I love it here. These people understand me. I understand them. I say that a bunch as a guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I really enjoy the people here, and I love it here. But I also understand what it might look like if, say, Brent Venables goes to Lincoln and catches an L from a Nebraska team that many people don't think is good enough to beat Oklahoma and damn near beat Oklahoma last year. I want to see what happens after the honeymoon period is over. But I think that the administration is behind Venables. The staff is behind Venables. The players are behind Venables. And certainly the fans. And I, I said this like last month. <laughs> Find you somebody that loves you as much as Oklahoma fans love Brent Venables. Perfect, right? You're feeling jaded. You're feeling like you were let down. You didn't see this coming. And here comes the only other person that you would want to lead you. He's tapped by Bob Stoops. He makes reference to, no, Bob recruited me. As a high school senior in Salina, Kansas, Salina South High School, when I was 17 years old, and I've kept that relationship into this being his 51st year on earth. He's very proud of that. I can't wait to see what it looks like because if Oklahoma can keep a lid on other offenses and can actually put up 35, 40 a game, as they have been like last 10 years, basically, yeah, Oklahoma could be pretty good in a hurry. It's just about how good. Right now, the landscape is win the Big 12 championship and then wait and see. Okay. Other thing I took was interesting from this is that the parity in the Big 12 doesn't look like it's ever been so close in my lifetime, right? And that means dating back to 96, since the formation of the Big 12. I think 1 through 10, everybody's good. That means that you better watch your back when Kansas comes to town. I think Lance Leipold's got a team that fundamentally understands that they can be good. And they've had enough of being bad. They've had enough of people not believing them. They've had enough of being run roughshod over. As a matter of fact, I made a point of talking to Earl Bostick Jr., who is left tackle at Kansas. And one of the reasons I want to talk with him is before Leipold got there, he'd given up something like 11 sacks in 11 games. After Leipold got there, 
He's given up one sack in his last 11 games. He has become a fortress. I asked him, what changed, man? He said, coach talks to me. He asked me about myself. And my offensive line coach asked me about myself. They cared to know what I'm at. And that dude has been there for like six years. He's seen literally everybody come through. He's seen so much football. And he's seen how bad it can be. And for the first time in his career, he's had a head coach and an offensive line coach that generally just want to get to know him and, and want to teach him. Hey, man, we're going to slow the game down for you. We're going to make this very simple. Your feet go here. Your hands go here. If you do that, nobody's getting by you. And I love knowing that because I've always been at my best when people slow things down for me and make my job simple. Then I get to execute at a very high level. And that's what Earl's been able to do. So if you could do that with a guy like Earl Bostic Jr., who has every reason to doubt Lance Leipold and his staff after how he had been treated throughout his time at KU, you could be pretty doggone good with guys that are just getting used to, oh, okay, we can go to Austin and we can beat Texas. Cool. We can have Oklahoma on the ropes. And unless Caleb Williams pulls a Houdini act, we win that game. We are the team that knocks off the undefeated Oklahoma Sooners. And Lance is getting it, man. Like, I'm very, very excited to see what Devin Neal looks like. This is a guy that played baseball and football at Kansas. And he's going into his sophomore year. Like, this, he's also very young. He's from Lawrence. He knows what it looks like. He doesn't know what it looks like for Kansas to be great, though. Like, I asked him, like, how old are you? He's 18, which is ridiculous because that means he's, like, five when Kansas won, uh, went to the Orange Bowl, right? And was, I think, peaked at, like, number three in the country in the Associated Press Bowl. K-State is going to be good. Deuce Vaughn, who I tried to tell y'all about, who we all tried to tell y'all about, is the only returning first-team All-American in this entire league. And he made it as an all-purpose player. I teased Chris Kleiman because last year he told me, yeah, we're going to try to ease Deuce into the offense. And then he gave him the ball 235 times on the ground to say nothing how many times he gave it to him in the air. He's like, yeah, I fooled you, didn't I? Look, there you have it, uh, an opportunity here to be pretty great. They got Adrian Martinez going in, who is as polished a uh, quarterback from a media standpoint that I've ever seen. Handled everything just fine. Participated in the interview. Wanted to discuss himself and Kansas State. Wanted to represent Kansas State in the right way. Use coaching parlance, which is to say with respect, with reverence to Nebraska, and with an understanding that, yeah, Kansas State has an expectation of not just beating Oklahoma, which they can do, winning the Big 12 championship. It's also Colin Klein's first year as an offensive coordinator, which means that he tapped Adrian Martinez for his opportunity to show everybody what he can do as a play caller. And Kleiman went out of his way to say, look, I told him that this is an opportunity for you when they played LSU in the bowl game last year. But he also said after they won that game, hey, man, that job was always yours. I just wanted to see. I just want to see what you would do with that. And you did it in a way that I can respect. He didn't become overbearing. He didn't choose to tell everybody this was his job. He just went out there and called a great uh, football game. And Deuce went off, right? Now you got all that coming back. You got guys that understand what it means to play K-State football. And I think they're going to surprise some people. And it's also at the top that Baylor, defending champ, they're going to have a new starting quarterback. We'll see what Blake Shapen can do, right? They're also going to turn over on the defense, which means that guys like Dylan Doyle and Bryson Jackson are going to have to step up in a very real way. Like losing Jalen Petrie off that team is a very big deal. But you added guys like Jackson Player, who I think was the second best player 
on that 2020 Tulsa team where Zayvon Collins won Defense Player of the Year, right? Like, he's that good. And then you have Dave Aranda, who knows just what it means to be vulnerable to his players. Matter of fact, kept thinking about when Steve Sarkeesian is talking about being vulnerable, that this is what Dave Aranda does. Because he, he told me, look, all you can do is be yourself and be authentic and try to do it consistently every day because you're going to have kids that look back at you and say, I don't believe a word you're saying. I've seen people come through. They leave me or they let me down. And your job as the head coach is to be that same dude no matter what goes down. If you're a mean cuss, be the same mean cuss with everybody you meet. If you're going to be the philosopher football coach, be the philosopher football coach. I really love talking with Dave Aranda because I learned more about him than I do about his defense every single time. I also think that Oklahoma State's got an opportunity here, but they're going to have to figure it out real quick with Derek Mason. If that defense is anything like it was last year and Spencer Sanders can actually hold on to the football and not give it away, yeah, they could be staring at their first opportunity to be invited to the college football playoff in their history. Could be very cool. Like, as Granny Clump once said, you'll walk over in the Big 12, but you'll limp back, okay? Nobody in here is going to give it to you. It's not going to be easy in this league for the first time in a very long time, quite honestly. I mean, we would look at Kansas and be like, okay, that's a W. Or we would look at K-State in flux and say, okay, that's a W. Or Baylor in flux and say, that's a W. You can't do that this year, at least in the preseason. I'm very excited about that. I want to see more parity in college football. I'm not one of the guys that just want to see everybody end up with Alabama and Ohio State. Even if that's what we're going to end up with, I would like to see competitive football played. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, from that, I want to talk a little bit about name, image, and likeness and how this is playing out in real time. So laying this out, this time last year, the Supreme Court had just ruled in Austin v. NCAA that you couldn't limit the kind of extracurricular benefits that an athlete could get. And then we had the NCAA say, cool, we're going to allow name, image, and likeness to be monetized. So what does that mean? So we'll start with the Big 12 and work to the SEC as SEC Media Day or over at the time that you're seeing this, but the news came out. Texas Tech plans to invest $200 million into its stadium and facility. That's one. It's a lot of money, and that's a huge investment in we want to be great. We see an opportunity with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC to where perhaps we can slide to the top of this conference with Central Florida, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati joining up in 2024. So on top of that, we also have the Boosters, the Matador Club, at Texas Tech pledging $25,000 a year NIL contracts to all 100 of their Texas Tech players, or the top 100, which goes beyond your 85 scholarships. So basically, 85 scholarship players and like the 15 best walk-ons. That's not a small amount of money to anybody, right? I do think it's a small amount of money when we're talking about head coaches making seven figures and we're talking about position coaches making six figures. I choose to say, what can you do with 25 grand? Well, I mean, you get a good down payment on a house if you got good credit, but that's 2019 numbers. What does that look like in 2022? 
the housing market is not the same, right? You could also buy a really nice car, a really nice new car, but then the money's gone, right? Now that's also 100 grand over four years. If you're smart about how you invest it, if you went to school and you understand the value of compound interest, throw that money into a really good mutual fund or throw that money into a really good CD and come out with even more money and your college degree and no debt. It's a very cool thing to happen. But it also goes back to this idea of booster consortium because the way that name, image, and likeness has worked, the people benefiting and the people that most want to talk about this are boosters, some of whom are fans, some of whom just want to be buddy-buddy with players and coaches, and players themselves who are getting to make a little bit of money for the first time in the history of really this sport on the level. The people that don't like it so much are coaches. And that's where I get really interested in what's going on here. Joey McGuire, I think, is going to be an outstanding coach at Texas Tech. He's already a legend in the state of Texas. If you don't know much about Coach McGuire and Cedar Hill, it's a quick Google away, and you'll come to understand why this man is in the Hall of Fame for the Texas High School Football Coaches Association. He is revered by players. He is revered by coaches. And like Jeff Trailer at UTSA, he has staked his reputation on hiring other guys from Texas. He got Zach Kitley away from Western Kentucky to Texas Tech. All Zach Kitley did was put up the most prolific offense in the country last year and watch as his quarterbacks and wide receivers set records. They're hoping to do that at Texas Tech. They got a three-horse race for quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and just tap Donovan Smith because I think that's going to be the guy. But Baron Morton is pretty doggone good, and so is Tyler Shuck. All he did was lead Oregon to a conference championship game in 2020. Now, on top of that going on in the Big 12, and they're not going to be the last group of boosters to do that in this league, we've also heard how loud name, image, and likeness money has gotten in the SEC. I thought Kirby Smart really identified two things that have to take place. Okay, One is your players have to get paid. Okay, 95 players on his UGA roster have NIL deals of some sort. That's according to him. Now, this is also a man who's at SEC Media Days and then took a private jet to the Texas High School Football Coaches Association meeting so that he could talk to those coaches. That is how important a constituency those men are. That's a $35,000 expenditure for a flight there and a flight back to get back to SEC Media Days. So don't come at me with you saying you don't think that, uh, or don't come at me saying that's too much money for players. If we can spend $35,000 on Kirby Smart to fly to a coaches convention, we can, we can put a little money into the pockets of these players. Now, in a question and answer portion of that session that he held with those coaches in Texas, San Antonio, he told, or he was asked, I should say, he was asked, do you ever get tired of talking about name, image, and likeness? And his quote is, hell yeah, and all y'all are tired about hearing that expletive too. And I'm sure that got a raucous applause and a loud ovation because I'm like you in this. I'm a fan of football. And I want to see people taken care of and I want to see them make money. But I don't particularly care about where the money's coming from as long as it's getting to people that are actually working in the field. And, and by that, I mean labor intensive coaches and players I think you share a lot of this responsibility. And 
I think he should be paid appropriately. I think that the salaries for players, in some cases, like quarterbacks that are Heisman candidates, should be on par with the coaches, not unlike the NFL. But I'm in the minority there. And when it comes to playing football, cool. We're still recruiting. And Georgia still has an unfair advantage compared to, say, Miami of Ohio because their budget's that much larger because they're the flagship university in Georgia. But that's not what we talk about. What we talk about is people getting really upset that an 18-year-old can make money. And that includes Kirby Smart. I'm going to read this long quote because I think it's important and I want to give Kirby his full context here before I tell you what I think about it. It's unfortunate that it slid the way it did because I was one of the biggest advocates that the name, image, and likeness rule needed to be in place. Look, it is not for everybody. Everybody's not going to make the same amount of money from it. You're going to have different pay scales for different guys. I can accept that. What I can't accept is young men getting $10,000 a month for four years or three years of college. That's $120,000 a year. What do you think <laughs> he's doing with that? Is that actually going to make him more successful in life? Because I promise you, if you handed me $10,000 a month my freshman year of college, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. I believe that. Okay, so there's, there's a lot there. To say I disagree is just a little too narrow. Okay, or broad. It's not narrow enough. It's too broad. I know what I would have done with $10,000 a month. But I also understand that I'm not built like everybody else. Okay? I live my life to try to make a high floor. Right? I don't much care about where the ceiling is. I care about how far I can fall, which means that I save a lot. And I don't spend a lot because I know that it's going to rain. That is a part of the weather pattern. It's going to rain. And I'm going to be in a space where I have to have a parachute. And I got to pull it out. And I got, I got to make, I got to make do with that. And I got to make sure I have a soft landing. Okay. To say that you do not trust an 18 year old to wisely use their $10,000 is valid. What is invalid is that you have anything else to say about it at all. I don't go up to Kirby Smart and go, how do you spend your millions every month? Because it ain't my doggone business. Okay. You are not nobody's daddy on that team. And when they are 18, they're adults. That you have the privilege to teach. That you have the privilege to coach. I don't get down with this talking down to people, man. You're not going to get anybody to do what you want by imposing your fear. If people are afraid of you, cool. As soon as you slip, they're going to leave you hanging out to dry. I don't think that's a great way to go into any relationship by saying, I don't want to pay you this much money because I don't trust you with it. That's that's not that's immaterial. That's that doesn't matter. If if that kid wants to drive his credit into the ground, that doesn't make him any different than most Americans. Okay? If that kid wants to take out a loan with 18% interest on a payday loan because he just wants to go throw some dice at Vegas, rent a private jet, that ain't your business. It's consequences. We're seeing that even with the transfer portal, which I'm a huge proponent of. And people want to whittle it down into some days because coaches are tired of having to move their roster around. But the transfer portal has proven, hey, look, just because you go in does not mean you're coming out. You make that decision. You live with that decision. I'm not into telling people how to live. I'm into here's what you have at your disposal. 
use it wisely. It's like it's like per diem. Anybody that's ever been on a trip that somebody's paying for, you might get, let's say, 10 bucks, right, to go spend on your lunch. You spend 10 bucks on breakfast, you don't have no lunch. You don't have no dinner. So you have to learn from that. I mean, there's stories about Summer League right now in Vegas where NBA players are finding out just how far that per diem goes. I don't know when we are going to come around to this thought that it is not our job to be anybody's daddy, that the paternalistic coach culture of college football only goes so far. But I think we're going to get there quicker than many people are ready. So I'm telling you right now, if you're one of those folks that doesn't feel like an 18-year-old should have $10,000, I'm going to ask you to take a step back. I'm going to ask you to say, cool, if that's your kid and y'all have that understanding, do that. But even in spaces where parents are around, it doesn't go well. You know, I'm the dude that's probably going to talk about Formula One more than any other college football broadcaster. But Anthony Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's dad, was responsible for taking care of his money. And that ended up being a bad deal because Lewis is an adult. And Lewis wants to do what Lewis wants to do with his money. I'm not going to be a head coach out here telling kids what to do. I'm going to say, go get yours. Take care of yourself. If you need help, I will help you. And that's the other part about this. You have so many people, excuse University of Georgia, who are financial counselors, who are CPAs, who are great business people, who want nothing more than to say that they helped a Georgia football player make a little coin. You know, like Ryan Bruce was reminded of saying, I took 40K, I invested in one house in Tulsa. Ten years later, I got properties worth eight figures. Now, why is it everybody can get behind that story and not behind, say, an 18-year-old that might do the same? If you want college football to be what it could be, which is that your scholarship 100% matters and that that's good enough, aren't you just saying you want the kids to be set up for success in life? And how does money not help that? I appreciate that Kirby Smart doesn't believe he would be the man he is today if he got $10,000 a month as a true freshman. I also appreciate that he wouldn't have to be. I want to mitigate as much suffering as I possibly can. Don't understand why a football coach would not want to do the same. Suffering's going to come to you. It ain't my job to introduce it to you. It is my job to try to help you understand it, navigate it, to overcome it when it comes. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. Please check out our day two Big 12 Media Day interviews. Very interested, very cool. We did a bunch. I think the first episode was like more than two hours, which, you know, for those of y'all on YouTube, it's like, hey, it's not long enough. But we'll have more to come. We're going to Big Ten Media Days. We're at Big Ten Media Days, as a matter of fact, as you're watching this. And we're going to go to Pac-12 Media Days and figure out what's going on with UC, USC, UCLA and what everybody thinks about that. All right. My thanks, as always, to our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, our associate producer, Tyler Wojak, our director, John Marcus, our social media maven, Javian Duncan, our lead of screening, Rachel Cohen, and I will see y'all in a couple of days. Deuces.